Today's opening quote is, don't let fear literally kill you. Gabrielle Union. Now that is definitely a note to self. Hi, good people. Welcome to another episode of the Hotfoot Roams podcast. Thank you for joining me. Your ears could be anywhere else, but you choose to share them with me. Thanks. So what's been going on in my world? Well, actually, first of all, let me just say thank you to um, all of you that have been listening, subscribing, sharing, commenting, liking my post on Instagram. I really need to post more. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I've had quite a lot of listens lately, so I just want to say thanks. Um, I'm getting like random messages like, yeah, I've been binging your podcast. Oh my God. I'm running late for work. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to make up time at work because I'm busy laughing. Thank you. Um, I'm glad you've been entertained. So, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, thanks to um, uh, the travel outlier. That was um, that's last week's episode or the, the previous episode. We're currently on episode fifteen. I know big things in it. Fifteen. It feels like so much more to me, but it's episode fifteen. But it's fifteen good quality episodes. I'd like to think. I'm always room for improvement and all of that. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, just want to say thanks to her. Um, had a lot of listens for that episode as well. And in a, such a short space of time, because I was late uploading that episode. So it's been, it's less than a week between that episode uploading and this episode uploading. Um, yeah, I was just away the previous weekend and I just didn't get a chance to put it up in time. I'm trying to be a bit more consistent, you know, just I'm getting there. Like I've got some episodes stacked up, I'm, interviews and things I start stockpile some some interviews so you know the next few weeks will run every week will be an episode um yeah so you know all is well uh what was I gonna say this week I'm in conversation with um a friend of a friend her name is Thordes she is a native Icelander and she is the first non-black guest on my podcast yep I don't think she's going to be offended. I don't know if I've said that to her, but I'm saying it. You know, I talk about race all in different ways. And um, yeah, she's on my episode. Obviously, I asked her about, you know, are there any black people in Iceland? Um, yeah, so listen to the conversation. You find out what she says. Uh, what was I going to say? It's been an interesting time for the hot foot. Been an interesting time. So... Um, I'm going to be in the UK a little bit longer than I had initially planned. Some things have not gone according to plan. And one is roaming, but in a different way. So I'm around, I think. I don't really want to put that into the universe. I don't want to put that into the universe. I retract that. I take that back. Scrap that. You didn't hear it. Yeah, you didn't hear that. Joke of the week, joke of the week. Okay, so the other day I was in the supermarket. I'm currently in the West Midlands, as I've I've told you before, in England. 
And um, I'm in the supermarket, minding my own business, you know, got my little shopping basket, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. And so I entered the world food aisle. So the world food aisle has like a bit of Caribbean food, bit of food from all over Africa, bit of Asian food, you know, Indian subcontinent, Chinese. There's Poland on that aisle as well. Might even be a bit of Polish food on that aisle too. World food, you know. So anyway, I um, see these two white ladies looking at something on the shelf. And I know I called it into myself, you know, as I saw them. I'm trying to turn my head. I'm like, please don't ask me nothing. Excuse me. Excuse me, love. How do you make jerk chicken? Cringing. And now she's got like a can, one of them jars of jerk sauce or whatever, man. Do you know what? So I told her, I said, you know, I don't really know. You know, you need to go to your nearest Caribbean takeaway and, and ask them. I'm sure that they'll they'll help you out, put you in the right direction. So I just wheeled off into my, I wheeled off someplace else. And so what, what made me cringe is really and truly just because you spotted a black person. It, it just don't go like that, right? You could have just Googled it even. But the truth is, all black people don't know how to make jerk, jerk chicken. Do you know why? Because all black people don't know how to make jerk chicken. That's it. All black people don't eat chicken. Shock horror. You know why? Because all black people don't eat, ch- don't eat chicken. Who would have thought? I mean, all black people don't eat chicken. Mm-mm-mm. Shit. She could have been a vegan. I could have been a vegan. Ross. I don't even think they met jerk chicken anywhere on the African continent, not to my knowledge. They don't make it in South America either. Right? So what? I could I couldn't be South American. Well, I can't I can't be I can't be um I can't be Brazilian. I can't be Zimbabwean. I can't be Angolan. What happened? We don't all make jerk chicken, you know. All right, fine. Just because I'm am Jamaican doesn't mean does it doesn't it doesn't mean that we all know how to make jerk chicken. I mean, I know how to make jerk chicken, but that's not the point. Point is, I just didn't want to be looked at like that stereotype. Oh, there's a black woman. She must know how to make jerk chicken. No, no. Google, find out for yourself. More joke of the week. Hold on, forgot to tell you this. So. If you've been listening sort of consistently, maybe, or you need to listen back to another episode, you might recall, um, end of last year sometime, I went to a podcast, podcasting conference, I met quite a few people there, um, made some really good contacts, and I learned a lot, actually, it was really, really useful. I don't know if they're going to have another one this year in the UK, because they tend to change the location. Um, it's run by an organisation called RAIN, actually. It's Radio Audio Industry Networking. I think that's what the acronym is. And I, I yeah, they moved the location. So it might, I think it might be Toronto this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it was really good. I, I suggest you look out for it if you're interested in, in setting up your own podcast, blah, blah. Anyway, I met a lady there and she and I have kind of stayed. We've stayed friends. Um, um, 
yeah, we've stayed uh, friendly and she, she and I are on Instagram together and we've swapped phone numbers and we've talked and stuff like that a few times. In our initial conversation, um, we were talking about her podcast. She's creating a podcast on cyberbullying. Her background is within social work and um, she's got quite a passion for for the area of cyberbullying and um, the stuff that goes on with trolling and stuff like that, particularly focusing on young people. So that's fantastic. So we talked about that. And then she told me that she was really interested in creating another podcast, you know, conversations about race. Um, she was really inspired by the the Netflix series, Dear White People. I'm like, okay, cool. So we got into a conversation about it. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet, actually. So anyway, we got into a conversation about it at the time. And, you know, she's like, oh, I'm really, really passionate. I, I, I you know, um, I really get it now. And I said, oh, what is it that you're getting? And she's like, you know, I get, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing. I didn't really get it before. Okay. You know, okay. I didn't I mean, I'm actually nodding. Not that you can see me. Season three is going to be visual, I think. I don't really like the idea of just sitting in front of the bloody laptop or sitting in front of my camera phone, just randomly talking to myself. Um, I'm not I'm not keen on that, but a lot of people are like, when are you going to make it visual? When are you going to make the podcast visual? You, Most people that are asking me that, by the way, are people that even that know me, that know what I look like. You know what I look like. You don't need to see me talking because we, when we see each other, we're going to be talking to one another. You'll see my face, right? You know what I look like. Um, and to all the people that don't know what I look like, that's perfectly fine. And you still listen to the podcast. You haven't contacted me telling me, I don't know what you look like. And furthermore, why don't you make it visual so I can see you? You haven't asked me that. So thanks. But maybe season three, I might do that. I might do some kind of face-to-face sit-down interviews. We shall see. Anyway, going back to the conversation. So anyway, uh, we got talking about... Um, how she's at she's she's Jewish, family's Jewish, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. She's practicing, she's practicing Jewish, um, grew up in a Jewish community, um, not in the UK actually, but moved to the UK um as an adult, um, married to a Jewish man, has children, Jewish, go to Jewish school, Jewish community, everything is Jewish. Well, all right, cool. That's how Jewish people do, as far as I'm aware. So, um, anyway, we got talking about race and then somehow in the conversation, you know, she expressed that she was Jewish people are not white. Well, that's an interesting statement coming from you, lady. That's what I said. I said, well, visually, to my eyes, you appear to be white, though I am aware that you're not Anglo-Saxon. You know, I'm, I'm aware of that by looking at you. Um, but to the average Joe, you're just another white lady. And I said that, to my knowledge, most Jewish people kind of toe the white line anyway. They're, and she's like, um, I never really thought of it like that. I said, well, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they? Because there comes benefit in, the, in towing the white line. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you continue to toe the white line, tick the white box, 
and live the benefits and the privileges that white life brings? Why would you want to tick the box that says other or tick the box that says non-white? Why would you do that? And she's like, oh, I never thought about that before, Sharon. Why wouldn't, you know, why I thought that that was kind of the kind of, I suppose without being disrespectful, but kind of like Jewish protocol. All right, we'll just go with the white thing because it makes our life easier. You know, obviously amongst us, we know that we're not white. But hey, to the outside world, unless I tell you that I'm Jewish or I have a name that is quote unquote stereotypically Jewish, you're going to think I'm a white guy or a white woman or a white child. So why would it be a thing? So she and I was having this conversation. She was like, wow, Sean, I never really thought about it like that. But yeah, you're right. So anyway, fast forward now uh, about a couple of months. We, because she had asked me, she said, you know, I'm interested in, in starting this podcast, talking about race, you know, inspired by the TV series. Would you be interested in, um, you know, being a part of it? So I said, yeah, why not? So um, a little time had passed and she contacted me back. And um, she said, you know, I'm sorry I've taken so long to get back to you. I said, yeah, don't worry about it. I said, you know, I've got a couple of things on myself, so no problem. How's it going? She said, you know, I thought about it and I I, I don't think I'm really ready. I said, no problem. I said, I know you're working on your other podcast. I've got my thing doing. I got I felt that my, my plate is quite full. So it's all good. So anyway, she goes in to explain, excuse me, she goes in to explain that actually she was quite concerned about coming across racist. So I said, why would you, what, 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 what's your, how did you come to that thinking? And she said, you know, there's some things I just don't know. And when I'm thinking that maybe when you and I are having conversation, uh, you know, when you might say something, I just didn't know that, and maybe the way I respond or the fact that I don't know might come across ignorant or might come across racist. So I said, well, you know, shock horror, lady, but yeah, you are going to come across a bit racist. And that is to be expected. Now, that's not necessarily, that's not because you are racist. I suppose in this 2019, those who are not white, I may well hear a comment that you might make and you might be genuinely coming from a space of, I really didn't know that. But on the other side, myself included, I'm thinking, but it's 2019, why don't you know this? How are you not knowing this? Were you just living under a rock or what? So I said, there is that possibility, there's the very likelihood that you could come across racist. But at the same time, you would be able to learn something new, and kind of put that across in the kind of weekly conversations. And, you know, at the end of a period of time, definitely come across um, come across a lot more informed than you were before. And ultimately, you can take that information and share that amongst your peers. Well, they will be listening to the podcast, I'm assuming, because you're there. So she said, that's a point. But at the same time, you know, I'm a bit nervous about that. And I feel like maybe I should go back to the drawing board and maybe kind of rethink maybe my approach and just some things that I need to know and learn. So I said, okay, cool. I don't have a problem with that. I thought it was quite, I mean, she's really nice. There's no, it's no slight on her at all. But I said, there's a bit of, 
maybe annoyance is putting it a bit mildly for particularly as a black woman or just black people in general who are kind of a bit tired of white people white people who are privileged who are trying to denounce their privilege that in itself doesn't even make sense I barely I just literally struggled those words out of my mouth that you're privileged but you're trying to denounce your privilege like who's really benefiting from that really I don't see how that's going to change world hunger or the trafficking of young black girls or the murder of young black men. I don't see how that's changing anything but the conversation that white people can have with white people about race. Maybe that could be quite useful, I think conversations generally are a way to learn you know outside of even race it's all topics it's 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 a way to learn so yeah but I said to her you know it's kind of like meh like black people are kind of tired of hearing 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 privileged white people just kind of whinging because that don't move nothing that doesn't change anything shit just stays the same so you know that's a decent, and this is what she and I was talking about. You know, I'm not talking behind her back. We, she and I talked about this. So I said, um, you know, if and when you decide to change your mind and you'd like to kind of go ahead and have the conversation, by all means, you know, oh, sorry, to, 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 to do the work, do the podcast work, by all means, you know, let me know, get in touch. Um, but yeah, I kind of wanted to share that because it, it was kind of like a joke to me just the kind of the fact that in her mind she wasn't even aware that Jewish people kind of toe the white line because they'd rather be white than other they'd rather be white than minority they'd rather be because if if you ain't white you're one of them and one of them is often well is the bottom of the totem pole nobody don't want to be at the bottom Nobody wants to be, even the people at the bottom don't want to be at the bottom. So you're not going to denounce the opportunity to be at the top or closest to the top because technically you're not really one of the top. Yeah. Unless somebody knocks you off the top spot who is actually quote unquote entitled to be at the top spot, you're going to ride the wave because it's going to make your life easier, isn't it? It's not that I'm saying that it's a choice I would make. But I understand why one makes the choice. Better than being at the bottom, isn't it? With the rest of them. The rest of them suffering at the bottom. <laughs> the rest of them suffering at the bottom. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that. So, um, yeah, there could be a possibility of me being on, I'm being on another podcast, talking about race. In fact, I will be creating another podcast. I don't plan to host it. But um, for some reason, people ain't feeling it like I'm feeling it. Like, I put it out to a couple of people. I don't want to really give away what it's about just yet. Um, cause, but it's about my, one of my favourite things that you always hear me talking about. If you listen to the episodes, you hear me mention it all the time. No, it's not food. No, it's not food. Hmm, a food podcast. Nah. Maybe a food YouTube channel. Nah. 
because I love eating, but I don't really love cooking. Like, I love my own food, but I don't like cooking. That's just boring. Anyway, another podcast is going to come soon at some point in the future. And yeah. Hey, Saunders. Hello. How are you? I am good. Hang on, you're a bit faint. I'm wondering why. Um, can you say something? Yep, saying something. I've got my, my volume on, <laughs> on top. Really faint? I don't... Really? All right, let me put... I it put looks like it's not on the speaker. Oh, here we go. This is better. Yeah. Yep, this is excellent. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you crystal clear, but I'm turning excellent. you down a bit. You're a little bit too loud for me. Mm. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm sitting very comfortably. I've got a glass of water. I've done everything I need to do. So, yeah, I'm all yours. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. So yeah, this is very oh, exciting. Oh, thanks. So um, my podcast is about my travels and then... Then I, this season, so this is season two, you're, the, you're my third guest for season two. Yeah. So um, this is a series where I'm interviewing other travellers and um, people who uh, may have worked abroad or packed up and just decided to just travel for the sake of travelling. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about coming to the UK and other places that you've worked because mm-hmm. obviously the listeners won't know, but I know you through a mutual friend. We've never met in person. Yeah. And I still don't know what you look like. I wonder, do I know what you look like? Yes, I've seen a picture of you during the World Cup season. Yeah, you should, uh, yeah, ask Auntie to send me your picture as well, and I can send you a new one. She probably has an old one. Yes, okay. So (laughs) we have have never met in the flesh, and we've never seen one another. But Sordes is actually from Iceland. And so I want to talk to you about kind of coming from Iceland to the UK. What was that like for you? Um, because Angie mentioned a few things to me which I found really really interesting and I wanted to speak to you about that kind of your personal experience and some sort of prejudices that you had experienced as well I'd like to kind of hear your side about that and also um, just to find out a bit more about um, working overseas how's that working for you and um, yeah just an option opportunity for us to just talk and just yeah all travel related yeah, exactly. That sounds really good. That sounds really exciting. Cool. So I want to ask, kind of, I've never met no one from Iceland, as ignorant as that's going to sound. I've never met anyone from Iceland. I've always wanted to go because it looks really beautiful. Is it as beautiful as it looks on the in pictures? Yes. Although, uh, having been born there and living there all your life, you may not notice it. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of just regular stuff, you know, having um, active volcanoes, glaciers um, and geysers kind of dotted around the country. And it, yeah, it is ab- absolutely beautiful there. And I didn't really appreciate it, I think, fully until I had moved away. Um, and then I started meeting more and more people who were visiting and okay. they loved it. And then I kind of started seeing it through their eyes more. And yeah, it is absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's not surprising you haven't met many, very many people from Iceland. It's because there's so few of us. I think there's only <laughs> 350,000. So we're a bit of a rarity. 
what's the population size? 350,000 people. Okay, that is small. Yeah, very small. <laughs> and did that did it feel small when you were there, when you were growing up? Um it feels very small once you have moved uh, away mm-hmm. and lived in like fairly big places like London. Um, then, yes, definitely you notice the smallness uh, quite a bit. But as I said, I didn't notice it um, when, when I lived there and not till I'd moved away. OK, so then moving away, did you leave Iceland for studying or was it work, work opportunity that came up or what made you leave? Yeah, so I'd always wanted to study abroad. So um, I got, I was doing a master's degree in anthropology at the University of Iceland, and I got an opportunity via an Erasmus grant to go and study abroad. Um, and I picked um, the uh, Brunel University in West London. Oh, cool. Uh, so I was, uh, through the Erasmus grant, I could study there for a year. And I chose that university just because of the lecturer that I wanted to study with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just really liked it and I applied to do a PhD. Uh, so what was supposed to be just one year um, then turned into 16. So I've been 16 years now. Wow. Yep. <laughs> that's that love. <laughs> that's yep, a yep. love with somewhere else. Okay, that's fantastic. So yep. in those 16 years, have you had a chance to kind of go back to Iceland much? I mean, we're not that far away, but have you had a chance to? Yes, so I go quite a bit back. So when I moved here, my daughter was four, so she moved with me. Mm-hmm. And she lived here with me for the for these 16 years. Uh, so her, uh, her, um, so she used to visit him mm-hmm. uh, Christmas break, Easter break and summer holidays. Okay. So she started kind of flying backwards and forwards. I used to go with her maybe once or twice a year. I try to go now at least once a year uh, to go and see everyone because by now I'm the only one left in Iceland because my daughter is now studying in Spain Fantastic. and my whole family and friends, they're in Iceland. So try to go and see them. They often come to visit me as well. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. So kind of fast forward into, so you're now, you're studying in the UK, you've graduated, I guess a, a job opportunities come up, so you decided to stay a little bit longer. What was that experience like for you? So I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, having left Iceland as part of your studies to come to the UK, was this Mm -hmm. the first time you've kind of been away for an extended period of time from Iceland? Yes, definitely. So the only travel I'd done up until then were short type of holiday trips uh, where you would at the most spend three weeks somewhere else. Okay. So I'd never lived anywhere else. So now you're in the big smoke. That's what they call yep. it. In the big smoke, you're in the big smoke. So what was that like? It was absolutely amazing because, um, and I often think about it because growing up in Iceland is a very small country. The population is tiny mm-hmm. and we're all the same. Okay. Um, and we kind of, I'm not going to say we all know each other, but you can always find some sort of a link to say, do you know so-and-so, and you, mm-hmm. you will find it. Uh, and then you move from somewhere like that to, and I moved to Uxbridge, which is at the end of the Metropolitan Line. Mm-hmm. And then that is very close to South Hall. Oh, yeah. Um, and that is just the most fascinating place 
for a woman who has grown up her entire life in Iceland to, to just take a bus from Oxbridge to Southall. And like all the different nationalities and all the different kind of ways of dressing, um, all the different religions, the different music, it was just absolutely fascinating because Iceland is so samey and it's so homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just probably like a wide-eyed, um, naive person just finding it all just absolutely fascinating. Um, and I got a car quite early on and me and my daughter, we used to drive around um, and kind of also drive from Oxbridge out into the kind of surrounding countryside. There were all sorts of little villages and they were quite quaint and English. And then you just turned a corner and then you were in um, quite an Indian or a Pakistani place. And yeah, we just loved it. And we explored so much when we first moved over. Fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. Really? And so your daughter was here, was she... Was she here? Sorry, my tongue's getting tired. Was she? Did she start school here? Yes. So she, when she moved over, she didn't speak any English. So she started reception class uh, in the school just out on on the corner of our road. Mm-hmm. Um, her Icelandic, her uh, her English came on. It took her three months, and she was just fluent. Wow! Because she was kind of just dumped in. Um, into school the <laughs> yeah like just had to kind of speak to everyone but the good thing was there were so many other kids that didn't speak English and they all how somehow managed to organize play and they were just fantastic and they all helped each other out um and uh, the teacher she said yeah it will take her a few months and yeah it took her three or four months and she was just you know sorted brilliant yeah. So how I I'm under the assumption that you spoke English, but did you were were you fluent in English by the time you came over? Yeah. So in Iceland, so the the languages um, we learn, I think it's still the same. So we start quite early learning English. Um, mm-hmm. We started when we were eleven. I think they start earlier now. Okay. Learned English all the way through school and college. Um, and then when I started university, so much of the anthropology books are obviously in English. So you kind of read them in English. Um, and um, so I had a, I had pretty good English when I first moved over. But I had obviously a lot to learn. Um, and my English has changed quite a lot since, I, since I've been here. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I, was, I was mostly fine. Fantastic. So you, you're here, you're studying, I guess by now you're, you're working and you're kind of getting your head around a few things. Yeah. So what were some of the not so good experiences that you encountered? So, yes, when I first moved over, um, uh, because, again, Iceland is really small, um, we have very minor bureaucracy um, the UK, I found, had just enormous amount of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to rent a um, house um, because obviously we need somewhere to live. And I was going to uni. Um, and it was just a massive deal because I wasn't English. And um, so we had to get all sorts of documents together and we had to pay a massive deposit um, And it was that kind of attitude that I was completely 
unaware of because all of a sudden you're now a foreigner um, and it doesn't really, it didn't matter to them where you were from. You were just a foreigner. You were not from here. You have no credit history. Um, and, you know, they don't care that you're, whether you're a good person or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a massive shock for someone kind of from Iceland who literally just got their way by, you know, filling in a form and it took five minutes. I think, yeah, I think that was the biggest shock. Um, but it all came together in the end and it, it worked out. And like things like getting a bank account, uh, just kind of setting up your life was really complicated. And I, I wasn't prepared for that. Okay. Okay. And so I guess when you, and I guess this is, this, I think that this is like a general UK ignorance, right? Irrespective of where one might be from. But when you came over and you said, oh, I'm from Iceland, were you met with like lots of sort of small-minded, ignorant questions? Um, so at the time that I moved, people didn't know Iceland very much. Um, so the, the, the questions that I ha- get about being Icelandic and being from Iceland have changed a lot during the, the 16 years that I've been here. Uh, because back then people weren't traveling as much. So I met fewer people who had been to Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've had some pretty ignorant questions about Iceland. Um, like the, I think the most ignorant weird one was, do you have sandwiches in Iceland? <laughs> <laughs> that I just, I didn't know what to put in my face. Um, that was, that was a really odd one. Um, and then um and then when i don't know if you remember kind of around 2008 there was the massive crash yep Uh, so iceland was very prominent in the whole kind of economic crash um and leading up into that um icelanders all of a sudden appeared really rich and they were buying everything so they'd like bought karen millen and house of fraser or some like big label so people used to ask me about that then they used to ask me about the banking collapse. So those questions were quite, quite kind of, they took a long time to peter out. And now recently, um, so many people have been there or know someone that's been there. So they ask me all sorts of questions kind of based on their own experiences or um, the experiences of their relatives that have been. Fantastic. Wow. So people don't didn't ask you ignorant questions like, did you live in a house? Did you live in an igloo? What was that like? No, so <laughs> I did have a get a question like, so do you have central heating? Um and I didn't I didn't understand the question because I didn't know what on you know what central heating is. Um and I said, What do you mean? You know, obviously all the all the uh, the places are houses are heated, otherwise we wouldn't be there. Um, so yeah, there was, yeah, all sorts of those questions about whether it'd be warm enough, um, and if you were safe, um, you know, stuff like about severe weather and, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's been some of the biggest learning curves? Actually, no, let me not ask you that one just yet, because I know obviously you've been in London for a little while, but then you've actually lived in other parts of the UK, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, so I lived, so first um, first stop was London, uh, West London. Then I moved to Guildford, which is like a completely different um, place from West London. And then from Guildford to Sheffield, which again is so different from Guildford. Um, 
then from Sheffield to Holmfirth, which again is a it's a tiny village in West Holmfirth? Yorkshire. Where's that? West Yorkshire, you said. Yeah, West Yorkshire near Huddersfield. Right. Absolutely tiny, idyllic, beautiful place. Um, and now I'm in Edinburgh. Oh, nice. So what's mm. it like in Edinburgh? What brought you to Edinburgh? So work again. So I got uh, a really good job mm-hmm. um, and I decided, yes, I'm just going to make my move. Kind of following kind of the breakdown of my marriage. I thought, yeah, this is a good thing. Yeah, I'll move somewhere new and start again. Fantastic. So in um, so what's Edinburgh like? So Edinburgh has all these kind of nooks and crannies and old buildings, kind of closes and steps, and that I'm still exploring. And it's incredibly fascinating for a nosy person like me, because <laughs> I you, you turn a corner, there's a tiny churchyard, and there's a church there. I just find there's so much history. Um, and I've just met some really nice people. It's been just really easy. It's it's a lovely place. And I'm still exploring it. And I'm still finding it absolutely amazing. Brilliant. So work-wise, what, what do you... Quick synopsis of what you do work-wise. Yeah, so now I work for the University of Edinburgh. Uh, I work for an institution um, called the Digital Curation Centre. So it's all about... Um, assisting organizations that need to digitize and organize their data for research purposes. Nice one. So mm. when you came over to, to the UK, I know you said you studied anthropology, etc. Yeah. But um, at some point, were you doing a bit of sort of laptop lifestyle, kind of nomadic remote working? Yeah, so I worked um, for the past four and a half years. I worked for a research consultancy in London, um, and that was just working from home. So I worked from home for yeah four and a half years. But there was also a lot of work travel involved because uh, I worked as a member of big kind of pan-European projects. So it was a lot of travel backwards and forwards between different European countries for meetings, uh, for conferences, um, and, and those types of events. Cool. That's good. And then obviously you said this opportunity came up for you and you thought, I'll just jump for it. Yes, yes, exactly. So does this mean, obviously you're in Edinburgh, but are you, is it now office job? So, yeah, so I am in an office now with people, which is quite fascinating when you've been working by yourself for four and a half years. Okay. (laughs) You've got someone to talk to, someone to have lunch with. Totally. And I am no longer in my pajamas all day. Um, So that's good. Um, And yeah, so, but there will be some travel, uh, I think, in this job as well. Oh, good. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but I, I, I foresee some travel in the new year. Cool. So then obviously being based in the UK, the rest of Europe is still is, is, is also quite close. Mm. So in 16 years is a long time. So I'm assuming that you've had an opportunity to kind of explore the rest of Europe in your time. Have you done that? Yeah, so mostly through work so I have traveled to most of the European countries maybe least in Eastern Europe Uh, but I've had the opportunity to visit yeah the majority of the European countries uh, through work Uh, mostly short trips I've sometimes extended and stayed an extra day or two Uh, yeah for a holiday I've been to Germany I've been to Berlin I absolutely love that Um, been to Amsterdam more than once um 
I've been to Brussels so many times uh, to visit kind of the European Commission. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've definitely visited a lot in Europe. Fantastic. So in your time in the UK, obviously you've moved anyway, but just in terms of traveling around the UK, how, what were, or what has been some of your fave spots? Sorry, say that again. Just in terms of um, being based in the UK, have you had yeah. much of a chance to travel around much of the UK itself? And if so, what have been your favorite spots in the UK? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had a car for most of the time that I've lived here. So I've driven to a lot of places. I think one of my favorite places is Brighton. Uh, I went there quite a bit when we lived down in Guildford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed that city. Um, and then when we were in Sheffield, uh, we went, uh, yeah, I worked in Manchester for a while as well. I really enjoyed Manchester as a city as well. Um, I visited Bath with my family. That was quite a fascinating place. I've never been to Bath. Have I heard it's yeah. Nice? yeah, yeah, it's, it's really nice there. Um, let me think. Yeah, I always wanted to travel around Scotland more. And I guess I'll have a chance to do that now in the summer. And that's, that's one of my plans. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's so close to Iceland as well. So I guess the travel back and forth to home is going to be even easier. Yeah, yeah, it's even shorter. And uh, I just found out recently I live quite close to Edinburgh Airport. It's only a 12-minute drive. Excellent. Um, so it's uh, even quicker because when I lived in Sheffield, there was always a train journey to Manchester and then you know, airport journey from there. Um, so yeah, this is a much easier. And it's also easy jet that fly now. So that's going to be cheaper as well. Fantastic. Mm. So, so obviously, 16 years away from home, what has been, I guess, your biggest learning curve? And moving over with your, your young daughter as well? What, what was that experience like for her and for you? Yeah, we were talking about this. So my daughter just left this morning to go to Spain. She's here over the holidays. Um, and she now, she feels that she's really lucky um, because she now speaks three languages. fluently. Wow. So she speaks her Icelandic. Uh, we always kept the Icelandic going. We spoke Icelandic between the two of us. Um, and then she obviously went English from having done school here um, and then now she speaks fluent Spanish because she got a, a chance to go to Spain for a year to study so yeah I think the languages thing is um, a really big asset um, other than that I think the biggest learning curve is to to pack up move to somewhere new and make it work for you I think that's that's a skill that I'm getting better and better at so I'm getting I own less and less of belongings um, and I am quicker to figure a place out and I kind of better at trying to integrate into a place meeting people Mm -hmm. Um, so I always have a bit of a scheme in mind kind of planning on how to meet people um, and what activities I'm going to sign up for and that type of thing. So just being, yeah, I think more and, you know, quicker to figure a place out. I like that because for me, in my travel, I don't have a problem meeting people. That's one thing. I guess it's just a blessing. I can go anywhere and meet another human being. It's yeah. never been a problem. Um, so that's good. Now, I used to be a person that had a lot of things. 
Yeah. And before I went traveling, oh my gosh, it's now a year ago now. Before I went traveling this time last year, I got rid of everything. All I had a whole flat. I got rid of all my belongings. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So now I actually have just a suitcase with me, though I do have a few important documents with um, one of my best friends. She holds on to some of my important paperwork that I don't want to travel with, but I. I can't yeah. get because it's still important. And then I have um, like my books uh, that I just can't seem to get rid of. I don't know why. I should really gift them onto someone else. I might get around to it at some point gifting them, but I don't know if I yeah. can yet. There's some like history books and culture books. I just can't get rid of them. Yeah. Um, and then I write. So I write short stories. I write songs. I've got boxes and boxes of writing. So I put that in storage. Mm-hmm. It's just those items that I put in storage. But at the moment, I'm just rolling around with my suitcase and my laptop and my backpack. So um, I've definitely slimmed down that the, the belongings, which I'm quite proud of myself for doing, actually. It is liberating, isn't it? Yeah. I find it so liberating. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, um, I feel like I really don't need anything more than what I have. Oh. And if I do get anything else, then that means I've got to get rid of something that I currently have so if I buy any new clothes then I've got to get rid of some old stuff yeah exactly I'm quite conscientious about making sure that my case is still 23 kg whenever I want to travel it's 23 kg racks yeah exactly (laughs) oh that's a brilliant way to do it (laughs) yeah that's when I have my 23 kg and that is it yeah oh great you touched on a point that kind of rang home where you were saying that you are you're still um and I'm paraphrasing but you're still kind of working you're still kind of working or growing into that kind of packing up moving to a new place and trying to figure it figuring that out you're still working still working through that and um I quite like that because that's kind of what made me go traveling in the first place because I've I've always wanted to do that and I Mm. did a period period of that and I and in 2019, I'll be picking that back up again. Yeah. And I'm just a little bit stuck with that at the moment. I feel like, oh, man, I don't have enough money. And for some strange reason, I feel like I've not regressed, but I've almost talked myself back into a space that I was before I started traveling. Oh, I see <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. It's easy to step into it, isn't it? I didn't think it was going to be that easy, Thordes, but yeah, it has happened to me. Yeah, these are the type of things that just sneak up on you, don't they? Yes, it really has snuck up on me, and I'm not a happy bunny right now. I need to shake it off. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. It's good that you catch it, though. I have have caught it. I'm, I'm very aware of it. I just need to kind of go to the next stage now. So I'm aware of it. I call it. All right, what's all what we doing next, Sharon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in that zone at the moment. I just thought I'd share that with you. So where is your next travel? Are you planning it at the moment or? I'm yes and no. So, A, I don't really do planning very well. And I think that that's one of my... I think that's a lesson that I need to learn. Like, yeah. I don't really do planning. I'm very much a, a kind of doing person. So yeah. when I'm ready to do, I feel like, yeah, now's the time to do. I don't really put a lot of emphasis 
focus on the planning because I find that if I spend a lot of time on planning then I can easily kind of talk myself out of something oh I see what you mean yeah yeah so I'd rather go right too bad you're doing it now so you have no no choice but there's a few ideas that I have um couple stops in the Caribbean for sure so Mm -hmm. that would be February 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 March and April but I'd really like to go to Africa before I go to the Caribbean I don't know why I feel like I have to do that first but I'd like to first but it might not happen that way to be honest I've got invited by a friend of mine to go with her to Grenada Mm. for their carnival there's two carnivals in Grenada so she's invited me to go with her to carnival so I'm still toying with that idea and and as I said I'd really like to spend some time in Africa but I think I had a bit of a question mark about going by myself oddly enough yeah going to Africa by myself so going to Grenada with my friend would be the first time I'd be traveling with a friend for years I can't tell you how long I ain't been away with a friend like I international travel with a friend has over been over 10 years could be 15 okay. so that's kind of alien to me but I'd like to actually go like, okay yeah, that's, that's, so you know go with a friend so there's that and then I found a cheap deal to Panama a couple of days ago so that's kind of piqued my interest so I've got a few things in the pipeline I'm going to pick one I've given myself to the end of the month to just put my money down and that's it that sounds good yeah 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 so I at some point probably not in this interview but I definitely want to speak to you about kind of um, working remotely and um, sort of that laptop lifestyle stuff and kind of how I may go about maximizing that a bit more that's something I've been wanting to do I just haven't I haven't found the thing that stuck just yet. No, no, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you wanted to kind of talk about that now, just briefly for, for anybody else that's listening who might have the same same thing, I just wondered whether or not... So I'd looked into a few things around freelancing, just mm. kind of generally maybe maybe kind of packaging my skill set in that way. And I'd wondered whether or not you think not whether you think it's a good idea, but is that kind of viable? Are people looking for that? I think, so I haven't done the freelancing. So my working from home was just for this one company. Um, but a lot of people do this. And I think, yeah, I just, I yeah, I'm not sure what I could tell you that is of use in trying to organize something like that because I've never done it. Um okay. But if I think of anyone that has done it, um, I will let you know, contact you and let you know. I'll, I'll, yeah, let me think about it a bit. Okay, cool. Mm. No problem. So I wanted to ask, you know, when you, how long had you been here before you decided to go back to Iceland to visit? So I think I just went back um, the following Christmas. Okay. Yeah, so I moved here in September and I went home for Christmas with uh, my daughter. Wow, and what was that first trip back like? It was <laughs> it was quite fascinating actually because people 
just want to talk to me about what it was like living in London, because obviously that's really exciting to people. Um, I'm wondering now if people thought that I just lived in central London, which obviously I didn't. Um, but yeah, no, they, they loved it and they asked a lot of questions and you feel like a bit like a mini celebrity. you like the person <laughs> that lives in London. <laughs> and that's so, also yeah, that was quite good. Icelanders, if you're coming back like a, a celebrity, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cool. So, um, just kind of talking a bit more about Iceland because I'd really like to visit. By the way, yeah. So, what's like the best Icelandic food? So, if one goes to Iceland, what's the food? So, we have all the food in the world there now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will get your sushi and you will get your um, pizzas and everything. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. Um, really? No, it was very, um, yeah, quite bleak. Really? Um, kind of like boiled everything with salt and pepper. Uh, but it <laughs> happened quite quickly. Like I think there was like one or two restaurants in Reykjavik when I was growing up, when I was little. But obviously there's loads now and they have all food uh food of the world um so i don't think i could tell you of a tra- kind of traditional icelandic food but i um, do always like the seafood it's very fresh okay that's nice i like seafood. yeah so i would recommend that but uh now um that i'm a vegan i've been a vegan since july i'm not sure if i'm allowed to be recommended <laughs> <laughs> so how's a vegan life vegan life is fascinating um i didn't realize that people would have such strong reactions to um someone who says they're a vegan uh, and it's not like i'm shouting it off the rooftops i just if i go out to dinner with someone and i ask um like do you have a vegan menu um or you know i order something and ask them to skip this and the other and then and people ask, so are you like a vegetarian? I said, no, I'm actually vegan since July. Uh, and some people get quite affronted by that. Wow. Yeah. So that was, yeah, something I didn't expect. And also people are very interested in where I get my protein from. I've never had that conversation <laughs> so much before. <laughs> I believe that's quite a common question for a vegan to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually haven't given it much thought. So... But I'm still stunting, so I assume there is protein in something that I eat. Um, You're, right. You're doing okay. Yeah, still stunting, still breathing, so yeah, I'm fine. So, in terms of obviously going back to Iceland, will there what what's that, in terms of what, what's that like for you in terms of making sure you get your being able to eat out as a vegan, for example? I Is think that... Iceland has moved on quite rapidly, actually, with uh, regard to veganism, because I think <laughs> most restaurants now have some vegan dishes, and I think there are two or three uh, restaurants that are just completely vegan. Brilliant. Yeah, so I understand it's quite uh, quite good. I, I have to say, I have not been to Iceland as a vegan yet. Oh. So that would be a new thing in the new year. Oh, you got to tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. So when one goes to Iceland for the first time, kind of what's what's a must see? What's a must do? 
So people really like the Blue Lagoon. So that um, conveniently is on the way from the airport in Keflavik oh. uh, to Reykjavik, which is the capital. So that is a lovely place. It's quite expensive now, I think, but mm -hmm. I think that's that's a must-do. Um, Reykjavik is a very small city. It's very doable kind of walking around. So I would always recommend walking around the city center. I always like going down by the sea. I always miss the sea because I lived in Sheffield for so long um, in the middle of the country. Then many people rent a car uh, and drive around kind of the island. I think my favorite part of Iceland is the west, the northwest. It's kind of like the head of Iceland. Iceland, the island looks like a bit like an animal and the head part is my favorite part. Okay. That's where my dad grew up and uh, I spent quite a lot of time there as a kid. And also in the north where I spent time as a kid when my mom grew up, that's also a favorite place of mine. So I recommend everyone go there. Nice. Mm. So as one who is not a homogenous Icelandic person, that being myself, yeah. what's the what's the um like what's the what's the likelihood of seeing non white people uh very high because there are so many tourists there now oh, uh, it is absolutely mind-blowing because when i moved over to england uh, to the uk 16 years ago i used to fly home and it would take me about five minutes to walk through the entire airport now I have to stand in a queue of like 60 people just to have my passport looked at. And there's like millions of people everywhere. And I'm just quite indignant <laughs> having to wait in a queue. But no, that was a huge change. Um, and then you go into town and the center of Reykjavik used to be quite, didn't used to be very many people milling around but now it's like places are opening and there's lots of restaurants there's lots of tourist shops and there's so many tourists from like all over um it's like a completely different place wow and then what's that like for your your home country to be so full of tourists what's that like for you i think most icelanders are quite baffled by it mm -hmm. uh, because now they have to stand in a queue. Icelanders don't do queues traditionally. Um, so, yeah, I think that it, it just happened really quickly. So I think kind of the infrastructure wasn't ready for so many people. For example, um, once you get outside of Reykjavik, and for example, if you want to drive into the middle of the country, uh, it's got, got kind of bad roads and, you know, things like that, because not a lot of people go there. Um, so things like that, so roads weren't ready. So all of a sudden there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of people on the roads who are not used to driving in conditions like Iceland is. Um, and all of a sudden you go to one of the, the places that you always used to go to, maybe, for example, like the big waterfall called uh, Gullfoss. Um, and there are so many people there and there was nothing there because there are no toilets, there are no facilities. Um, and all of a sudden you have like, you know, coach loads of people being driven there, you know, each day. And there was just 
it took a while to kind of sort everything out for so many people. Um, so I think I think the government and the Icelanders are trying to figure out, obviously, how to protect the places, um, figuring out how it's best to get the resources to maintain them. So should they charge people to see a waterfall? Um, to be able to pay for everything that you need to set up, like fences and stuff, so people don't fall in. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think it happened really quickly. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, people are getting more used to it by now. I think it's, yeah, I think, I think they'll be fine. Okay. So, in your experience kind of coming over here and being here for so long, how, do you think you've had any travel fails at all? Travel fails. Yeah. Has there been anything that you thought, oh man, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I should have done it this way. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, No, I can't think of anything. Um, Yeah. No, I think it's all gone just smoothly. That's good. That's good. And then obviously having been here, was there any point in your journey where you thought, um, should I still be here? Should I go back home? Um, These challenges that maybe locals are kind of throwing your way or um, government, governmental challenges that are throwing your way or kind of ways of doing things that might just be pissing you off. you ever get spoken to by like a fear voice or a voice that said you know what maybe you should go home yeah well I think uh, when when I first moved it um you obviously get homesickness Mm -hmm. so and I suffered with that quite a bit after I first moved not so much anymore uh but then probably every six months I thought yeah I should probably just move back home but uh by then I had an English husband Mm-hmm. And we were all settled. Then the economic crash uh, happened as I was finishing my PhD. And that meant you, you wouldn't go home at that point. That just ma- didn't make any sense. Uh, then we had moved up to Iced, uh, up to Sheffield. And then it didn't make sense to move home uh, and uproot my daughter from school. So we stayed until she had finished school. Um, then we had plans to move to the Netherlands following Brexit, the Brexit fine, uh, Brexit result. Okay. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, here I am in Edinburgh and, and I have no plans. I've kind of figured out planning just doesn't work all the time, does it? Sometimes you kind of just have to sit back and see where it goes. Yes. <laughs> And that's not a typical response from, I believe you're a fellow, you're a Capricorn as well, aren't you? Uh, so I am can- Cancer. Oh, you're Cancerian. Why did I think that you were Capricorn like Angie? All right, no, no. Oh, yeah, see, Cancerians, they, they like a bit of free-falling from time to time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. So what would be your dream destination to work? work um can't so i traveled twice um i was working for a university in sheffield that taught courses at hong kong university okay so i there twice and taught two-week courses in social theory 
and that was an amazing experience. So I've always wanted to go back to Hong Kong. I absolutely was fascinated by that place. Uh, and I think that's my favorite trips of all my travels. Um, so maybe, yeah, I'll just I'll say Hong Kong. Uh, I'd love to live, try and live there. That would be quite fun. Uh, my holiday destination that I've decided I'm going to do in 2019 is New Orleans. Nice. I've that always is wanted to go choice. there. Yeah. That's a good choice, daughters. Yeah. I so have been to New Orleans very briefly, but it's, it's yeah. actually quite nice. I've always wanted to go back myself, actually. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's the journey that I want to take just by myself. Ooh, good yeah. choice. You gonna go for Mardi Gras? I don't know. I need to figure out. I need to look at the calendar and I need to count my coins uh, <laughs> and then figure out the timing. <laughs> when is Mardi Gras? Uh, it's February, March. I think it's the end of February, beginning of March. Oh, it actually might be in March this year. I okay. can't remember the calendar. And I know it's February, March time. Mm. But yeah, and it and it go it runs for quite a while. I think it runs for for nearly a month. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Look at yeah. That. yeah. So you can go, you kind of can, can go in and out of Mardi Gras at any time. Yeah. Mm, sounds good. Oh, Fulbis, it's been great talking to you. It's gone yeah. so quick. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. When you go to um, New Orleans, let me know. Yes, I will do. Yeah, I want to hear all about that, unless I, unless I end up going there before you, and then I can tell you all about my experience, obviously. Yes, yeah, and you can recommend the good hotels and oh, stuff. Of course, and the food, because I'm yeah. a foodie. Yeah. So, and then I'll look for you as a vegan, because I eat vegan from time to time. Yeah. Not all the time, just time to time. Yeah. Um, but I will definitely keep an eye out for you for any vegan treats. Excellent, thank you. And yeah, if you want to visit Iceland, you'll have to let me know. And um, of course, let you know where to go and uh, where to eat and what to see and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. In fact, you might even see me in Edinburgh before that. So yeah. Oh yeah, if you come up to Edinburgh, let me know and we'll go out. Definitely. I've got a buddy. Cool. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me, Thordes. Yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, we'll be in touch. Fantastic. People, oh my gosh, another episode has come to an end already. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find the podcast on all platforms where podcasts are available, obviously, because you're listening on one of them. Um, I use the anchor.fm app. And you can find the podcast on that platform there. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher. Did I say Spotify? Yeah, there too. Um, you can find me on Instagram um, at HotFootRoams and on Twitter. This is the last week I'm going to say blog is coming soon trust and believe this would be a lot you know why because next week i ain't gonna be saying it's coming soon am i <laughs> so yeah um subscribe comment like share let me know what your thoughts are um you can send me an email if you like um to hotfootrooms at gmail.com um 
I'll be back with another episode and another interview next week. Excuse me, next week. So um, I suggest you tune in, obviously, and um, tell a friend and tell a friend and tell a friend that your friend has a podcast, isn't it? We just share the love. So um, that's kind of it, really. Did I talk about what I'm up to this week? Did Did I do that? Now, I've actually just been on a boring grind, really and truly, for for, twin, for the 20, not how many days, the month ain't even done yet. So I've just been, I've just had my head down and I've been focusing on a few things, um, a, f- a few things, Hot Foot Romesy, Hot Foot Romes, a few things Hot Foot Romes wise, a few things Hot Foot Romes, hot, you know what I mean, and, um, and just kind of just working through my goals for 2019 yes I don't do planning very well but boy I might need to embrace that for 2019 you know um I've been on the lookout for a coach actually I've been on the lookout for a, a personal development coach listen some of you are charging some prices that I like I believe that you must pay don't get me wrong I'm not you know I have enjoyed freeness as like my birthright if you know how I maximize the word free in all aspects of my life right I really do but I also I do spend money and when I spend I end up spending quite a lot so you know kind of swings and roundabouts as they say but yeah I've been looking for personal development coach and um actually somebody did send me details of someone oh crumbs about a caller yeah so yeah I've been on the lookout for personal development coach because I just want to focus on a few bigger bigger things this year and I think I need some help support encouragement help to make it kind of come out of my head and grow into the world so I've really been doing that, really. I've just had my head down and I'm just focusing and I'm grinding and, you know, more travels to come. And you'd be the first people to know when I'm, when I'm on the plane. Of course, you'll know. You'll know before anybody else, of course. So, yeah, as I said, find the podcast everywhere. Share it with everyone. We'll catch up soon. You know when you hear this quote... We have come to the end of the show. Those who roam are not always lost. Keep roaming, people. Peace.